Hey, I'm Aaron Jackson, the youth minister here at Connection. I'm so honored and privileged to be able to bring you the word today. Our buzzword for the day is the word pivot. We're talking about today when life makes you pivot. I ask a couple questions to get us started, getting us our, our mind moving, our, the ball rolling with us here. Here's a couple questions. First thing, what do you do when life makes you pivot? And how do you know you made the right pivot? You see, in life, we have so many different pivots and transitions. Today, we're going to be honoring our 2020 seniors, our graduates, and they have a huge pivot right now in their life that they are doing. We all have them, though. We all have different pivots. We all have different transitions that we're going through, and we're going to look at the Bible today and two different people in the Bible to help see how they handled their pivots. Now, whenever I think of the word pivot, I want to look up the definition, kind of see what it said. So let's look at what this says together. It says, a pin, point, or short shaft on the end of which something rests and turns. I love that definition for a couple reasons. One, kind of physically tells us what a pivot is. But second, it gives us a wonderful spiritual application to pivot. But we'll get to that in like 15 minutes or so. When I think of pivot, I think of basketball. Thank you very much. When I think of basketball, and I'm not a huge basketball fan, but maybe it's because, you know, there's not a St. Louis sports team for me to rally behind. I'm not sure, but I enjoy playing here and there. And every time I watch basketball, there's a very important part of basketball. It's the, say it with me, pivot. That's right. Pivot. They receive a ball, and they pivot. They dribble, they stop dribbling, then they pivot. It's a huge part of the game, the pivot. And the thing about a pivot is that really it's a small move, but it sets the direction. So whenever I pivot, I'm here. It's a small move. Here, boom, done. Pivot. I'm here, boom. That's it. It's a small move, but what it does is it sets the direction. It sets the path on which you are going to go. And this idea of pivoting is not a new thing. Like I said, we're going to look through two guys. We're going to look at the life of Samson and Andrew, and we're going to see how they pivoted, and we're going to see what they did, how they did, and what happened whenever they did that. So if you can turn with me to the book of Judges, we're going to be looking at, first, the life of Samson. But first, we're going to be looking at a little bit before Samson. We're going to look at his parents, because his parents made a really big decision, a really big pivot. So you don't have to know a ton about the Bible to have at least a small understanding of Samson. He's the guy with the super strength, right? He had the long hair, you know, those long, beautiful locks, and he had super strength. Just to give you a quick idea of some of the things he did, he was able to rip apart a lion with his bare hands. That's pretty impressive, right? Uh, he was able to, to, with just his hands, he was able to kill a thousand Philistines in a battle, in a war. Uh, he took the jawbone of a donkey, and he slaughtered 3,000 more Philistines. And then when he ended his life, after his eyes were gouged out, and he's under so much pain and just so much struggle, he's able to pull down the temple that he is chained to and sacrifice his own life, but take out thousands of more Philistines. Amazing, right? Amazing feats of strength. But there was many things in his life that led up to that. There was a big pivot in his life as well that led to all of those things. But like I said, we're going to look at before he was born. And so before he was born in Judges chapter 13, 
We're going to pick up the story of Samson. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines, who oppressed them for 40 years. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant, and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut. For he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. So let's really quickly explain what's a Nazarite. That's a term you might not be the most familiar with. But a Nazarite was someone who was dedicated to God. And there were three specific things that they had to do. It was called a Nazarite vow. The first thing is they weren't supposed to ingest anything from the grapevine. The second, they weren't supposed to get their hair cut. And the third thing is they weren't supposed to be near a dead body. So as we look through Samson's life, you'll actually see that he ended up breaking all of those at some point in his life, unfortunately. He made some pretty bad decisions. And in fact, there's a lot of scholars who believe that when his hair was cut, it wasn't because his hair had some magical power like Rapunzel. You know, it wasn't because of that. He, that's not why he lost his strength. When his hair got cut, that was just the last straw. He had already broken the other two Nazarite vows. And so now he just lost God's power. The blessing that God had given him of strength was taken away from him. But what we see with Samson is he's a Nazarite. He was dedicated to God. And here is the purpose. Let's look back at that in verse 5, Judges 13, verse 5. Here is his purpose. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. That is why he was dedicated to God. That is why God gave him super insane strength, was so he could deliver and rescue Israel from the Philistines. All right, so now we know a little bit about him. This is what his parents did. His parents did everything right. They helped him grow up. They helped him know God. They helped him fulfill those Nazarite vows. And let's see what happens in Judges chapter 14. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. All right, I want you, really quickly, I want you to look here. Here's what happened. He's walking this way. He's walking towards uh, Timnah. The Philistine woman catches his eye. A Philistine woman catches his eye. Do you see the pivot that happened? He's walking this way. Boom. Philistine woman right in his eye. Who was he supposed to be delivering the Israelites from? The Philistines. And yet we see in this moment that this pivot that Samson has takes him to fall in love with the Philistines instead of delivering them from the Philistines. We'll continue reading. Let's go back in. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. His father and mother objected. I mean, can you imagine the pain, the suffering? Can you imagine the struggle that Samson's parents are going through right now as parents of someone who they raised up to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines? And now he wants to fall in love with one. He wants to take one as his wife. Can you imagine how much they are struggling with this? Their child, their son, 
coming to them and doing the exact opposite of what they raised him to do. So it makes sense when they objected that said, isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you can marry? Why must you go to the pagan Philistines and find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. Samson here has a very bad pivot. He is doing the exact opposite of what he is supposed to be doing, of his divine calling to deliver. He is now becoming devoted to the Philistines. Can you imagine what is going through? And what is going to happen next, right? Here's what's, here's what's crazy about the story, and here's the part of the story that gives me comfort. Here's the part of the story that gives me hope. We're going to read the next verse, Judges 14, verse 4. It says, His father and mother didn't realize the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at the time. Wow. That shows me that God can use your bad pivots for good. God can use those bad decisions that we made, those bad pivots that we did, those bad choices for good. Even though this put him on a track that led towards tons of death and tons of struggle and lying and stealing and all these things and eventually his own death, it was still something God was able to bring good out of. God was able to do that. He can use your bad pivots for good. So there's Samson, someone who made a bad pivot, made a bad choice. Now let's look at the other side. Let's look at Andrew. He's one of the disciples. And Andrew is a guy we don't talk about much. When we talk about disciples, we a lot of times talk about Peter, and we a lot of times talk about Judas and John. Those are three of the most. But Andrew was one of Jesus' closest friends as well, one of the inner circle of the disciples. And in John chapter 1, we get to see Andrew's very first interaction with Jesus. So we're going to be in the Gospel of John, and it's going to talk about a guy named John. This isn't the author of this book, John. This is actually John the Baptist, who, surprisingly enough, was also a Nazarite. He did the same thing Samson did. He was a Nazarite, devoted to God. And Andrew is actually one of John the Baptist's disciples. This gives you a little bit of a little, a little bit of a, of a history about that. John chapter one verse thirty-five tells the story. The following day, John, John the Baptist, was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, "Look, there is the Lamb of God." When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew then went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Did you guys catch all the pivots there? Andrew, a devoted disciple of John the Baptist, someone who was doing the work of the Lord, was preparing the way for Jesus. Andrew is a disciple. And whenever John points to Jesus, John pivots, points to Jesus, Andrew 
pivot to follow him. And this is his very first interaction, but what I, wanna, what I want you to know about pivoting, pivoting isn't the end, it's the start of a new direction. This is the very first interaction that Andrew has with Jesus, but it's by no means the last. He's going to spend the rest of his life devoted and following Jesus. He's eventually going to give up his life for Jesus. But what we see here is Andrew had many pivots. He pivoted away from John to Jesus and followed Jesus. He then spends the next number of months following Jesus, seeing him perform miracles, seeing him do some miraculous things, teaching some wonderful things about God, uncovering mysteries about the kingdom of God. But we're going to see that there's still another pivot Andrew has to make. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew. All right, we got Simon and Andrew together, Peter and Andrew. They were throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. All right, so they haven't gone all in with Jesus yet because they are still doing their fishing business. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. See, if you read this verse without a ton of context, you might look at it and go, wow, that was pretty reckless. They're fishing, and then all of a sudden, some random guy comes up and says, come follow me, and they just drop their nets, drop their business to go follow him. What we see is this has been months of happening, months of Andrew pivoting to Jesus and watching Jesus and following Jesus and mimicking Jesus and and learning all these things, but they hadn't done the full pivot to follow him with his whole life until this moment when he said, come and follow me, and he does. Andrew drops what he's doing to follow him. He started a wonderful direction that led him down a path of righteousness, that led him down a path to know Jesus and to share the good news of Jesus to the whole world. Pastor Stephen Furtick, he's the, he's the pastor at uh, Elevation Church. He said it this way, the big decisions are not always the ones that you think are big. That's why we need God to help in all decisions. I love that because it was a small decision really to just pivot to Jesus. It was a small decision really for Samson to pivot towards the woman, the Philistine woman. But it led them down a direction. It led them down a path. But it's that small decision. That's why you need to have God involved in all of your decisions, even the ones you think are little, because God can take those little decisions and make them big, make them great impacts. So let's come back to the top of the message, what I said early on. Those two questions. What do you do when life makes you pivot? And how do you know you made the right pivot? Well, I think this answer is what we saw with Samson, what we saw with Andrew. It comes from Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. The definition for a pivot at the beginning, remember, said it's, it's a pin, a point, or a short shaft on the end of which something rests and turns. We need to be resting on Jesus when we pivot. When we are making decisions, when we are pivoting 
we need to be resting on Jesus. Even though Samson made a bad choice, obviously that foundation of God was in his home. His parents raised him as a Nazarite. He continued with that. The strength he had was given to him from God. Even though he made a bad choice, he still had God at his, as his pivot foot. Andrew, as he is going from John the Baptist to Jesus, obviously he was a righteous man, wanting to follow God. Whenever he follows Jesus, he's literally pivoting towards Jesus. We know that the pivot there was Jesus. The rest is on Jesus. So my encouragement to you, if you are graduating, or if you are trying to make a next decision about what you're going to do with your life, with a relationship, what you're going to try, when you're going to try to come back to church, when you're going to be visiting other places, when you're going to be, whatever it is, whatever decisions, whatever pivots you have coming in your life, what I want you to do is try to rest on Jesus. It seems so easy, and it's so easy to say it. I understand that it's easy to say and it's hard to do. But the beautiful thing about the scriptures is it tells us that there's going to be things that happen that are out of our control in our life. There's going to be things that happen, choices that we make that have different outcomes than we are expecting, different outcomes than we can control. But whenever we're resting on Jesus and he is a part of it, it will make things so much better. Now, I don't want you to hear me say that everything is going to be 100% hunky-dory. You're going to get the best promotion. You're going to choose the best school. You're going to get the best relationship. You're going to have the best kids. You're going to choose the best nursing home. I'm not saying that if you are resting on Jesus when you pivot, that everything's going to be the best. In fact, a lot of times things are going to get really hard. As we saw with Andrew in his life, it was a great decision, but he suffered so much for his choice. And he went through this life being, being made fun of, being hurt, and he ended up giving up his life for Jesus. Samson, obviously bad choice, but he was still doing it for God, right? He gave up his life. There are times in our life where we are going to be resting on Jesus and we are going to be doing the right thing. We are going to be pivoting to Jesus and bad things are going to happen. That's just what's going to happen. But what I want you to do and want you to realize is that as long as that is your foundation, things will be good in the end. Might not be in the next week. Might not be good next month. Might not be good in the next 50 years, the rest of your life on earth. But because of that hope you have, because of you resting on Jesus, because of you knowing and devoting your life to Jesus, you can have hope. You can have a relationship with God in eternity. No more suffering, no more pain through him when you rest on Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you that your word gives me hope, gives me hope for a future, gives me something to stand on. I pray that as I'm making decisions, as I am pivoting, that you're the foundation that I'm resting on you, and that as I'm turning, as I'm doing all these things, that you are a part of it. I'm so glad that you can take my bad decisions and make them good. I'm so glad that you can take my good decisions and make them even better. I pray right now for all of our seniors and everyone going through life changes and choices right now, that they're leaning on you through them, and that they're trusting in you. To Christ in my pray. Amen.